Good morning, Boker Tov. Thank you so much for being back together with us. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year, our dear friends, Chani and Lenny Grunstein, whom we miss in memory of Chani's father, Mr. Aaron Tembor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak. Our learning should be Le'iloi Nishmaso to elevate his wonderful Nishama. We are on the 11th chapter of Mesilas Hasharon, the Ramchar of Moshe Chaim Lutzato has been inspiring us and motivating us and directing us and charging us to be able to live our best lives, that every day, we don't at the end of that day live with regret and shame and guilt, we don't squander and waste, but we look back and reflect on that day and say, I set resolutions, I made goals, I pursued them, I was mindful and cautious and conscientious in all that I did, I was present in my thought, my speech, and my actions, and I go to sleep each night with a sense of pride in what I accomplished and who I am and what I contributed to the world around me. This 11th chapter, we've been exploring the quality of what's called Nikias, the quality of cleanliness. Nikias, cleanliness means that I don't simply confront or combat the uh, challenges, the qualities, the temptations, the desires in my way, but I've purged them, I eliminate them. I'm able to, in fact, live a life of a certain sense of purity, that the things that are negative, that sabotage my own success or happiness, are not even part of my life or lifestyle. I've purged them all together. I'm not tempted, I'm not distracted, I don't desire, I don't even notice them. They're not even Baba Cheshbon in my life. And we've been going through the areas that the Ramchal deems Ramosha Chaim Lutato says of the universal human struggles. So first it began with Gezel, with money, honesty, and integrity, our attitude to our interpersonal relationships and to our business dealings, to carry ourselves with honesty and with integrity. Then he moved over to what he called Arayos, promiscuity, sexuality, an area so many brilliant, genius, accomplished, great men and women nevertheless fall prey and sabotage their own success and their own happiness. He talked about that in the form of Nivopeh, of profanity. Profanity doesn't just mean in the way we dress or even in our actions, we can have profanity in our thought and profanity in our speech as well. And then we've moved over now to the area of the way that we eat. Cleansing oneself in all of these areas requires, says the Ramchal, great meticulousness, great firmness, discipline, in order to deal with the instinctive lust for food and monetary losses incurred as a result of the prohibitions of mixtures. In other words, in those days you owned a cow and you brought it to the shochit, or you shechted it yourself in your backyard. And if you were to be honest, have intellectual honesty, admit the shechita, let's say, was invalid or no good, it could cost you an enormous amount of money. Either the loss of the profit you counted on from the sale of the animals of that cow, or your own enjoyment of a barbecue dinner. So there's the, uh, there's the relationship we have with food that there could be financial loss. Just yesterday, almost every day I get a shayla about the lid and the, and the spoon and the dishwasher and the milchiks and the fleshiks. Usually it begins with my husband or one of my children mixed up or put in the wrong place or cooked with the wrong thing or touched the wrong thing. So sometimes the answer is it can't be kashered. Sometimes it has to be thrown out. Sometimes there's a financial loss. But that's our commitment to this process and to its integrity. But much bigger and broader than that, that Ramchal here is touching on something, personally I've struggled with my whole life, every day is a battle, and that is if you're a foodie, if you love food. If you love food, you love the taste, and you love the texture, and you love the smell, and you love the crunch, and you love the, to consume the volume, and you find comfort in a relationship with food. Um, many people 
identify with what I'm describing right now. And it means that not only do we struggle with the kashos of the food, we spoke about this last week, meaning I have zero desire to eat meat and milk. I don't struggle with uh, eating pork or eating pig. The non-kosher uh, establishments or offerings, they don't tempt me. I've kept kosher my whole life. I've taught, been taught kosher my whole life. But eating ingredients that are unhealthy and that are dangerous, eating quantities and volume that there's no justification, that's something which we struggle with uh, greatly, particularly 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And that bag of potato chips are sitting right there and they've got my name. I think I talked about the corn chips recently, those Trader Joe corn chips, kryptonite. They're mamish like the greatest Nisayon, the greatest Tehalavai. They should be the greatest test. So the Ramchal here says that we could live our life and have a lifelong battle and struggle, or we can become determined and say that unhealthy, unhealthy ingredients, unhealthy quantities, foods that should be off limits because they're not kosher. They're bad for me objectively. They're bad for me subjectively. They should be poison. I shouldn't be tempted. If I look at something which is poisonous, no matter how well it's flavored, no matter how tasty it might be, no matter how well it's marketed, no matter how much they try to draw me to it, if I identify it as poison, it will kill me, it will harm me, it will injure me. I'm not drawn, I'm not tempted to eat it. And that's the way it should be, to achieve that level of discipline, to not only be engaged in a battle, but to be able to triumph and defeat it to a certain extent, that it doesn't become a lifelong battle for us. I shared with the Hasidic Rebbe say, Tarach Lafanai Shulchan, Neged Sorerai. You put before me a table, Neged, it's opposite my adversaries. When I sit opposite food, I'm in a battle, I'm in a fight. That's why the word for bread, which is the staple of all food, Lechem, comes from the same root as the word Milchama. Lechem is a Milchama, particularly if you're on a carb-free diet and you're counting your carbs and you're trying to avoid the gluten. Lechem is a milchama. Who doesn't want? You could eat a dozen hot bagels straight. You could eat a, a, a two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts coming right off the conveyor belt. But it's not good for you, even if all the ingredients are kosher. But that amount, that quantity, that volume is not kosher. And every time we engage, we interact, we're tempted, we're drawn, we're hungry, we have an appetite for lechem, we are in fact waging a war against a milchama. And a person who is lenient, when we've been told to be strict, strict in being careful for our health and our well-being to the best of our ability, is an individual who is destroying their own soul. In other words, not only do you compromise your body when you absorb the wrong things, when we are undisciplined in our eating and our health and our wellness, not only do we sabotage and compromise our body, but we've also forfeited and conceded our soul. Because the soul, its sense of discipline and integrity, its vigilance, its capacity to be in charge, who owns you? Or do you own it? Do the, do the aisles in the supermarket own you? Does the marketing, does the smell, does that food own you that you lose control? Or do you own it? Do you go in determined? Do you go in with a sense of a menu and of a schedule and of volumes? And then it's not a struggle. It's not something you even need to think about. Our rabbi said this in the Medrash. And do not make yourself impure with them. You'll become defiled through them. When we absorb, if we were to eat, God forbid, non-kosher foods, we absorb, we are what we eat. Judaism Torah believes you literally are what you eat. The Ramban writes, 
quoting Chazal, that the animals, the fowl, the birds that are off limits, that are deemed non-kosher, are all birds of prey. They're birds that are cruel in the way that they rip into their, uh, their, their, the other animals that they eat. And if we were to eat and we were to absorb the qualities of these birds of prey, we would absorb their sense of cruelty. So I don't know that you could test that in a laboratory. I don't think that appears on the food label that that food contains an ingredient of an animal that was cruel and that, and that was a, uh, the, the way it tore apart its prey. But nevertheless, we have a strong tradition that we are what we eat and we absorb those same qualities, we absorb those same energies. That's why Chazal plays such an emphasis, even with children, to be extremely and extraordinarily careful and vigilant in what they eat and what they consume, what they are exposed to. Because even if it's accidental, and even if it's uh, not on purpose, and even if they're not even aware of what they're doing or eating, but nevertheless, just like if your child has an allergy, just like if your child was exposed to a poison, you wouldn't say, well, I don't really care whether they're aware or they know or they were intentional about eating it. All we care about are the results. All we care about are the consequences. If you consume poison, you will be harmed and injured. And if we consume foods that we shouldn't, we will be harmed and injured. This is what the, our rabbis here in the Medjish, the Ramchal is quoting, says is metame us. It makes us impure, it contaminates us. Not only does it contaminate our body in a measurable way, but again, it contaminates our soul. The inability to be disciplined is an inability to be dignified. The inability to have self-control is actually allowing the animal impulse and the animal instinct and the animal in us to rule over the godly spirit. The Tzalem Elohim, that godliness, the fact that God has breathed life into us and animated us, that we have access and can tap into the God inside each and every one of us means we have that capacity for self-control and for discipline to lead the best of ourselves. And when we ignore it and neglect it and when we marginalize it, and instead, we feed right into that animal aspect of ourselves that has an impulse and an instinct and that's hungry and has an appetite. We're not thoughtful, we're not vigilant, we're not careful, we're not disciplined in what we do. We've not only contaminated our body, but we've contaminated our very soul. Now, the Mishnah says that on Shabbos, on Yantif, a person has to say Kiddush, b'makom se'uda. We recite Kiddush, and then you have to do it where you're having the meal. So you go right into the hamotzi, where you have mizona, some crackers, some cakes, some babka. Or we pass in, if you drink a revius, if you drink enough of the wine, that too qualifies as kiddush b'makom se'uda. You made kiddush in the place that you're going to eat. The, the fascinating debate in Lamdas between the Rashbam and Tosfos, is it that your kiddush is not a kiddush unless it's where you're having the meal? Or is it that the meal is not a li- real meal unless it's introduced with kiddush? What is the rationale behind this law? Not for now. But I saw a very beautiful explanation or a beautiful illusion that this principle, Kiddush b'makom se'uda, means do you know where you achieve Kiddusha, Kiddush? Do you know where we find holiness? B'makom se'uda. Holiness is not in the shul or the base medrash alone. Holiness is not in the religious uh, venue or atmosphere. You know where holiness is? Holiness is when you're hungry. Holiness is how you eat. Did you make a bracha before and after? Were you mindful when you said that bracha? Did you eat foods that were good? Did you stop eating when you were full? Did you display and tap into your capacity for discipline and dignity? Did you, in fact, express your godly soul? Or did you allow your animal soul to rule the day and simply to follow its impulse and its instinct? The answer will determine whether we live lives of purity, of impurity, whether we are contaminated or whether, in fact, 
we are elevated. Don't read it when it may seem you're defiled, but when it them, you will become contaminated. That chet, what is chet? A missed opportunity. The inability to have discipline. The inability to create boundaries. The inability to say, this far and no more. I'm stopping. The Ravid, the great intellectual uh, sparring partner of the Rambam, the great Ravid, had a practice, what we call Tainus Arayved. The Tainus Arayved was whatever the Ravid was eating, he left over the last morsel of food. He never finished until the very end. He didn't lick his bowl, he didn't lick the plate, he didn't scrape the plate, but he always left over a little food. Why? In order to show that he owned the food, the food didn't own him. In order to show that he could. Who was he showing this to? The, the writers for the Arts Girl biography of the Ravid? No. Himself, his neshama, his soul, he wanted to be able to say to himself, I'm in charge, I'm in control, I don't have to eat until the very last drop, I'm able to leave over. So some of you will recoil and say, he threw out the end, what are you talking about? My, my grandparents, they would wrap the food in the napkin and take the extra and save it over and, you know what, it's not baltashchus if you're doing it for a legitimate bona fide reason. You know, some people will overeat quantities and just to not leave leftovers because they say baltashkas. But I like to say that putting something in your mouth when you're not hungry is also baltashkas. Your mouth is also a garbage disposal. And your and your and your throat and your digestive system is also a, a garbage a sewer system. If it doesn't belong there, it's baltashkas. So whether it's throwing it in the garbage or putting it in your mouth, which is putting it in the garbage when you're not hungry, have no appetite and it's not good for you, is also baltashkas. So when the Ravid left it over, he didn't feel bad because he didn't see it as waste, he saw it as, in fact, work. He saw it as his ability to grow, to achieve, to advance, the tainus arrived to leave a little over. Not to be bahami v'chumri, says the Ramchal. Bahami means like an animal, the behema. Chumri means chomer, our, our material, who we are. Meshuka begasas aruach, to not be immersed in the coarseness of this world. Non-kosher food is the worst of all the undisciplined eating because we're absorbing those qualities and those traits. So my dear friends, let's go live our best lives. Let's go be our best selves. And that includes the capacity to be careful, to be vigilant, to be in charge and in control, to only eat what and only eat how much of what will help us that we eat to live and not live to eat. And in that way, realize the best of ourselves. Continue with the Living with Amuna Shir here in the same place in 15 minutes at 8.45. If you're not watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Even if you're not, please do. Tonight, 9 p.m. behind the Bima, special guest Modi. It's going to be fantastic. Hope to see everybody later today. Have a great day.